you're so great. You're so wonderful. You're so precious. You're able to answer our prayers, O God, all our needs. And it's not ourselves we're asking for tonight, but for your people that need a touch from your hand, Lord. Jesus, precious name, Lord. Oh, God, reach down your hand, I pray, and touch your people. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.
standing, I want to pray uh, this congregation to join me in prayer. We have a tremendous burden that's resting on us tonight. Um, it seems like this year is a year full, filled with challenges and there are things that we can change that's in the hand of God. But um, these past few years have yielded a lot of sorrows, a lot of burdens. Tonight as we are standing here in church, we've got individuals and top on the list is Sister Pam Goodwin. Uh, she has done open heart surgery, replacing a valve that she has had for a few, for over 10 years maybe. And it's a very serious operation surgery. Uh, Chandri's sister did a replacement of that valve and she never recovered. But nothing is impossible with God. Uh, we want to pray and uh, that God would help, sis help Sister Pam. She, her heart has stopped. Uh, she's on a machine. And uh, they're thinking, from what I understand, they're thinking on, on as soon as possible, remove that machine and see if she, her heart will uh, start its rhythm. Then, on top of that, uh, you know we've gone, to, when we came into the United States in 1975, we met a family in Des Moines. Des Moines has always been our home. And we met a family in Des Moines, the Johnsons family that took care of us. Well, a little over a year ago, Sister Johnson passed. Is it a year? Yeah. In February last year, she passed away. Uh, November. And right now, we are thinking of, um, right now in the hospital, on life support is Brother Johnson, her husband, and their daughter, Rindy. And um, they can die anytime within the next week or so. And for not only a church to carry that burden, for a fellowship to carry a burden, um, there's nothing impossible with God. And tonight, I guess I will talk a little bit about some of these things, but uh, we have that family to consider. Then recently, Brother Sinbad lost his big sister. He just returned from, uh, from Guyana. Uh, he's in New York right now. His wife uh, is in South Carolina, and her sister, they're expecting her to last a few days. So we're looking at individuals that are hanging on life support. Some you know they will never recover. Uh, the, the doctor has said positively some will never recover, but I've seen people uh, gone to their deathbed. What am I doing up here tonight? Today I had a serious case of allergy and non-stop sneezing until I came into church tonight. And so you see me walk with a tissue box here and water over here. So if I sneeze through the entire service, uh, don't be surprised. I don't plan to, but my nose kept running. I haven't had allergies for many, many years. But this year, uh, we've, do, we've done some construction, and there's a lot of dust. 
And then the stress of the work of God is on, on us. And when you want to be attached to people, you have to pray for them. And as you pray for them, there brings an attachment to those individuals that you don't want anything terrible to happen to them. And God has helped me in life to form an attachment with people that I would never probably even talk to. But I have an attachment to individuals because I pray for them. And not that I'm some great prayer warrior, but God answers prayers. He does answer prayers. And if he chooses to do otherwise, we the children of God must come to the place of accepting the inevitable. And so tonight I want this church not to say a prayer. I want you to pray with me sincerely from your hearts as we bring these children of God before the Lord in prayer. Amen? Amen. Father, we come to you tonight and I'm not some holy person that's free from sin and evil in my life. But Lord, I believe your calling is on my life. And tonight, Lord, I'm not here to tell you what to do, but we're here to beseech you. We have individuals, Lord, that are not well. And tonight, Lord, we pray for Sister Pam. We pray for Brother Glenn. And that family, oh God, and the church. Oh God, please have mercy. Lord, nothing is impossible. We've seen you work miracles in the past. And we know you can work a miracle tonight. We ask for your mercy. Lord, we're not here to command you. We're here to beseech you. As your dear children, we ask that you'll have mercy on Brother Glenn and the church and bring Sister Pam, if this is your will, out of that condition. Lord, we see in your work so many miracles so many times in our own lives. But Lord, there are times when we must accept the inevitable and things would happen that we can't change. And you never err in your judgment. You always make the right decision. And if it happens that things go negative, Lord, we pray you give us grace to endure. Lord, as I stand here talking to you, one day I'm going to die. Or Chandri will die. Or one of these elders that are standing with me, one of them will die or their wives will die. Lord, your people needs grace and we need faith. We pray, oh God, you'll please strengthen our faith and our grace, oh God. Help us to develop this simplicity and humility that we can seek after you. Father, we pray for your mercy tonight. Lord, we bring Grandpa Johnson and Rindy before you. God, we owe so much to these folks in Des Moines. They spend so many endless years worrying about us. Opening their homes to us, Father. Please, tonight we ask that you'll have mercy, oh God. If it's time for them to go, let them go peacefully, Father. Don't let them suffer. Lord, we believe you're a loving God. 
and we live by your grace. It's your unmerited favor, Father. Yes, Father. Yes. And tonight, we commit these needs before you. Yes, Lord. Lord, we bring Sister Juliet before you, Lord. Yes, Father. Lord, you see the years she spent in our church in Guyana, how faithful she was. She was that remarkable example when we started the church, oh God, that proved the point to the critics. But oh God, she is suffering and she is dying. Lord, if it's the time for her to die, let her go peacefully, please, Father. Oh God, we pray for those that are grieving right now, for the church in Des Moines, for the saints in that assembly, for the fellowship, ministers around the world whose hearts are troubled, Father, that you'll comfort us. Oh God of all comfort, comfort us. Comfort us, we pray tonight, Father. Lord, we pray for Brother Sinbad, Sister Pam, and these other individuals, Lord, that has just gone through their grief. Oh Lord, those of us here in this local church that are, are grieving in our hearts, we pray, oh Father, that you have mercy on us. Dear Father, you have never failed. You have never erred in your judgment. Sometimes we, Lord, fail to understand. Even so, we pray you'll comfort our hearts or comfort our souls tonight, Father. Lord, strengthen me. Give each one of us the right attitude, Father. Oh, God, we thank you for being such a wonderful God. I bring this entire fellowship before you, Father. Every minister, whether they be in Haiti or in Africa or in England or North America, Father, we pray that you'll be with your people wherever they are. Strengthen their faith. And oh God, those that are critical about what's happening, oh Father, we pray, oh God, that you'll have mercy on their souls also. Please, Father, we ask. We ask these mercies in your, the name of your wonderful Son. His word tells us by his stripes we are healed. Lord, if you fail to or you do not want to heal our bodies then heal our spirits and heal our souls heal us father we pray in jesus name amen and amen and amen Ah! Uh -huh. 
I'll be seated. In the year 2000, April 2000, uh, we were at that time publishing a magazine called Midnight Cry. And it was a very pretty and simple magazine that we still hold on to the term Midnight Cry because we believe that this world is basically in darkness. And God needs a voice, and he would use spiritual watchmen to warn of impending judgment and catastrophes, spiritually and literally. What an age to live in. Uh, we scarcely came out of, from COVID, the influence of COVID-19, and we've got so much of disasters around the world. To me, never before have we had so many disaster one after the other. And that is because the earth is angry because of man's rebellion. The earth, the land is spewing man out. And yet, a man fails to repent. I'm getting to the magazine in a minute, but over in the book of Revelation, <clears throat> when John was receiving this wonderful message from the, the Lord. And in chapter 8, he deals with seven trumpets. And then when he came to chapter 9, uh, chapter 8 has the first and the second and the third and the fourth. And the fifth uh, angel is in chapter 9. And then coming down to verse 13, this is the sixth angel. And the fifth, sixth, and seventh angels are described as the worst of the seven. And I don't know all the details of the book of Revelation. It is a book that I believe only the Lord Jesus ultimately will tell us what it means. And in chapter 10, it tells us this angel, uh, when he sound his face in chapter 10, verse 1, it says, And I saw a mighty angel coming down from heaven clothed with the sun, and a rainbow was about his head, and his face was as it were the sun, 
and his feet as pillars of fire. I honestly would like to speculate very strongly that this angel is representing Jesus. And what makes it even more beautiful, his reflection, the face was like the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. Uh, similar to the description we fi find in chapter 1 of Revelation. And then it says, and he had in his right hand a little book open up. Contrary uh, to the chapter 5 that describes a book uh, that uh, this uh, <clears throat> in the hand of the uh, a book that was sealed with seven seals. Uh, there's um, a book that describes a lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. Uh, this book was sealed and uh, it had to be opened up. And when I'm looking at chapter 10, it says, verse 2, when he had in his right hand a little book. Uh, but this little book was not closed anymore. If it is the same book, it is open. And when it is open, it is open to give the interpretation to an element or to a ministry <clears throat> that would be able to decipher or explain what it's all about. Remember, John understood something about what was written in this uh, message that this book portrays. It goes on to say his right foot was on the sea and his left foot on the earth. And he cried with a loud voice, as the voice of a lion. And that belief, I believe, Jesus would not come as the Lamb of God anymore. He came as the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world in his first advent. When he comes back, he will come as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And so when this lion roars, and I'm speculating, seven thunders utter their voices, and John said he heard it. I wish I could have talk, spoken to John. Uh, he heard what they were saying. And he was about to write it. And the same John that was told to write was told in this particular instance not to write. Because the message, I believe, is yet ahead of us. I believe this book is still to be opened up and help us to understand a little more that will draw us closer to God. I honestly believe that. And these seven thunders, when the Lamb roared, seven thunders uttered their voices. And <clears throat> he was about to write and heard a voice from heaven saying, seal it up, seal it up, John, don't write it, <clears throat> which the seven thunders have uttered, and write them not. Now what I'm saying is that these seven thunders, what are they? Are they seven apostles? Uh, they, we have seven trumpets sounding, and I listened to Brother Glenn, I think, was talking about seven trumpets, and I would listen to individuals, and sometimes I'll be critical, and sometimes I would say, that sounds interesting. And it was suggested that the seven trumpets could be seven, um, seven, seven ministries. Are they the same as the seven thunders? Good speculation. And uh, a trumpet is a warning to society. And I believe if the seven trumpets are given from seven outstanding ministers to warn the church and to warn society, I think what needs to be warned most of all is the church. Uh, we look at the whole Old Testament. Uh, the whole Testament would have been a short 
Old Testament if Israel was not so often in rebellion. If Israel was not so often, and I will like to say not Israel, but the body of God's work, the body of Moses in that past time was always in rebellion. That is why Isaiah came. And that is why Jeremiah came. And that is why all the prophets came and Israel, God's people in that period of time killed them. They killed every one of the prophets. And so today uh, we are looking at the body of Christ. Uh, not the body of Moses anymore, but the body of Christ. And we see a similarity because all the churches that God started, uh, think for example the churches of Galatia, uh, Lystra, Iconium, Derby, and Antioch. Think of the church at Corinth. Uh, think of even the church that Apollos started, that Paul took over. And I'm glad Paul went and took it over, but that church was undermined by unfaithfulness, but it survived longer than the rest. But Colossae, did it exist? The church at Thessalonica, why had Demas gone to Thessalonica? Uh, because he was worldly. Was the church worldly? Had the church backslidden? And so when you look at the work of God, the work of God has always been bombarded by the devil <clears throat> trying to undermine God's work. Always been undermined. We can never come to the place of feeling like we are impervious to the deception of the devil. As it was in the days of Noah, even so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. Be, Son of Man. Uh, they were building an ark. Noah was building an ark and preaching righteousness. And you wonder among the thousands and maybe hundreds of thousands of people that lived in that time, why is it? A big ark being built. And the Lord did not, I don't think the Lord told Noah how many people would eventually enter in. Otherwise, he would have been discouraged. But Noah built that ark and only ate. The work, the structure, the expense, the efforts that were put in building the ark, and I'm sure even had help from the people. Only eight souls were saved. And except the Lord of Sabaoth had left Israel a remnant, all Israel would have been destroyed. There is always a remnant. When I think of the 13th chapter of Revelation, when all the world wanders after the beast, all the world except the few whose names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life. As we look at the church today, we see the same problem. We preach. I preach a holiness message. I preach a message that would encourage sanctification. But when I look at the results and the response and how people really do not like church attendance, how they have fallen and backslidden while they're sitting in church, it discourages you a little bit. And had it not been for the Bible with so many remarkable examples, one would be discouraged. But I look, <clears throat> I look at the men in the Bible, and uh, they are wonderful examples to me. Here in Revelation, the 10th chapter, uh, before you reach the 10th chapter, these seven thunders uttered a voice in the 10th chapter, and John didn't write it down. But in chapter 9, when the sixth angel sounds, and it tells us that mankind is being plagued and destroyed, in verse 
15, it says, And the four angels were loose, which were prepared for an hour, and a day, and a month, and a year, for to slay one-third of men. Now, is that one-third in a region that John was seeing? Uh, he was looking at a certain region, and I think one-third of men, was it Israel? Uh, that one-third would be destroyed, and two-thirds left? How does it go? Uh, two-thirds destroyed and one-thirds left, or one-third destroyed and two-thirds left. But think of it. You're in a society where people are dying all over, and one-third of mankind, when the sixth angel sounds, are, are killed, maybe by the flood, maybe by disasters, maybe by the judgments of God. And when mankind is dying, and it says here in uh, verse uh, 18, and these three, verse, I can't skip a verse, I must go through them all. And it tells us uh, they were destroyed, and the number of the army of the horsemen, and the 200,000, were 200,000, and I heard a number of them. And I saw thus their horses coming from Euphrates. This is all activity in the Mideast. And it says, I saw the horses in a vision, and them that sat on them having breastplates of fire, and of jacinth. And uh, brimstone, and the heads of the horses were the heads of lions, and out of their mouth issued fire, smoke, and brimstone. Now remember, Revelation is a book of symbol. When you see a sword coming out of the Lord's mouth, it's not a real sword. When you see a lamb uh, slain, it's not a real lamb. And so this book of symbols tells us, bottom line, that one-third of mankind was killed. One-third of mankind was killed by these judgments of fire and of smoke and of brimstone. And by these were a third part of men killed. Third part of men killed by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone, which issued out of their mouth. For, by, for their power was in their mouth and in their tails. You think of it, is it a military uh, description is John seeing helicopters, army equipment flying, and he does not know the word helicopter exists, and he does not understand what jet planes were, but he's seeing, he's seeing visions. And the saddest part that I really want to get to is verse 20. It says, when the power was destroying mankind and hurting mankind, it says, and the rest of the men, verse 20. Everybody with me together. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not. And that's the sad thing. You think of COVID-19, and COVID-19 was not meant anything else but the judgment of God. <clears throat> judgment, wrath on the ungodly, chastening for God's people. And when God judges the world, what we need to do when God is judging the world, not just put a mask on, get on your knees and pray. Yes, sir. Amen. See, getting, trying to use the natural uh, protection that the world offers is not sufficient. We need God to protect us. Uh, hold your finger in Revelation, the a nine chapter, and let's remind ourselves what uh, First Chronicles is. First or Second Chronicles uh, tells us. It says here in the seventh chapter, um, uh, in the seventh chapter of Second Chronicles, 
And the Lord is saying here, and this is very strong and emphatic. He says, And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night, verse 12, and said unto him, I have heard thy prayers, and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. You know, I wish the Lord could tell me I have heard your prayer. But many a times he has heard my prayer. Many a times I pray and wanted my personal desires to be fulfilled and he never heard that prayer. But at times when you, you ache and you groan and you mourn for individual, just not to get the personal glory for that prayer, God reaches in and touches people. He heals his people. He delivers his people. Amen. And so the Lord is saying here to Solomon, I've heard your prayer. And he goes on here. He says, if I, verse 13, if I, I here is referring to the Lord. If I, God, not Bill Gates, not China, not a person fabricated or a manufactured virus. He says, if I, whatever the reason, whatever caused it, whatever natural catastrophe is happening because of the earth uh, movements or uh, geological and geographical reasons, God says, if I, everybody say, if I, if I, God, shut up heaven that there is no rain. When there is no rain, God says, if I do that. If there is a flood, same heavens open up and brings a flood of disaster. I, God, have done that. Mm -hmm. He says, if I uh, sh uh, shut up the heavens that there be no rain, or if I, God, command the locusts to devour the land, if I, God, command them. And he says, if I send pestilence among the people, if I, God, send COVID-19 to plague the world, to destroy the ungodly, and to chastise the godly, what should God's people do? Put a mask on. Take the vaccine. I took the vaccine. Nothing is wrong in protecting yourself. But remember, you do your best, and you trust God to handle the rest. You do your best, but you have to trust God. But here's what God requires. Don't ignore what's happening. Protect yourself. Don't open your house and let the locusts come on in and let the pestilence come in. Don't say, well, there's no rain, so I wouldn't save some water. Save water. Close your doors to the pestilence. Save your crop. But the Lord says, if I command these things and bring them among my people, and you know, we can go overboard with the term, my people. Because in the Bible, my people were always in rebellion. In the Bible, Israel, my people were always in rebellion. And as we move over to, over to the New Testament, my people were always in rebellion. My people were so comfortable that they, uh, they would see a judgment of God and continue to ignore the hand of God working in their lives. And sometimes God would have to help us to get on our knees. Sometimes we are so self-sufficient that God will have to help us. And you don't really want God to help you to get on your knees. It's best we learn to fall on the rock and be broken than the rock 
to fall on us and grind us to powder. And there will come a time when God's people, there will come a time when a whole convention will get on its knees. There will come a time when a church will get on its knees and pray. Yes, sir. Nadine came to me and she said, Dad, I feel so burdened today that I feel like tonight we should all pray. Just spend the whole time praying. And that's a good feeling. Yes, sir. That's a very good feeling. And I'm glad that this kid of mine is growing up in the church. You know, we don't have a kitchen, so we spend a lot of time in the food court. Now it's a lot of time. We sometimes go there. Not a lot of time. We went there one time in two weeks or three weeks uh, to the food court. And we were sitting in the food court having our little cheap little food. And we enjoyed that. And while we were sitting there, here comes a mother walking in. And uh, it brought tears to my eyes. It really did. Uh, one moment walking in and she's passing. And you know the cafeteria, the line of shops, restaurants are just alongside. You sit there, and this lady is walking in with a little girl. She must be seven or eight years old. And she says, Mommy, Mommy, do we have enough money to get some food? And that breaks your heart. Yes, it breaks your heart because while we're sitting eating, the dean says, Dad, can you excuse me? I'm coming back. And we watch, and she went. And you know what Nadine went? She went, and God bless your heart. Because it's the second time things like this has happened to her. And she went and she took $10 out and gave it to that lady. And the lady says, I didn't want your money. Oh, she held that $10 and she cried. We're, we're to be like that in society. We have to develop this empathy and sympathy and concern and heart for God. Yes, sir. Nadine told me another time she was in Tim Horton's drive-thru. At Tim Horton's drive-thru and she was offering, ordering a, a coffee or something like that and a sandwich. And she's in the drive-thru and the lady in front of her, she had two dogs. Two dogs in the car and she was kissing the dogs and she's taking forever to deal with the cash and to pay for what she's going. And you're sitting behind and you're grumbling. And Nadine says, Dad, I sat behind and I grumbled. This woman, you know, she's busy with the dogs. See, saints of God, we're talking about a life and we're talking about a heart that God must change. Yes. And she said when she sat there and she grumbled and all of that and she pulled up to the, to the cash. The lady says, lady, it would cost you nothing. The lady in front of you paid for you. And she said, Dad, I pulled aside and I sat down in my car and cried. See, this is life. We're not just here to hear. We're not just visiting church to hear a sermon. We're here to live a life. And when something is happening in our fellowship or something is happening in the local church, don't think we are impervious. God must help us. And the Lord said to Solomon, he says, if my people, first in verse 13, the last part, he says, if I bring this pestilence among my people, he says, if my people, which are called, not by a false name, but by my name, if my people, which are called 
by my name. I'm going to repeat that. If my people, which are called by my name, not a name of blasphemy, but by my name, if my people, which are called by my name, shall first of all, step number one, humble themselves. Take out this air of superiority in the community we live. Take away this air of I know it all and nobody else is right. Take it away. We're here in the body of Christ by the grace of God. It is absolutely not of works lest any man should boast. We're here by the grace of God and the purpose of God bringing us to this position is to develop Christ in our lives. Hold your finger in Second Chronicles and turn back with me. It looks like we're, we have 10 minutes to go. And so turn back with me, turn forward with me to Romans, the 8th chapter, where Paul is writing to the Romans. And this is all important. And we know, well, brother saying, I know the scriptures. No, you don't. Brother saying, I know Jesus. Well, he does. He know you. Are you going to be among those that he says, depart from me? I don't know you. But I cast out devils in your name. But I don't know you. We are in a position in this world and in our lives that we need to ask the Lord. Lord, do you know us? It will be sad if when it's all over, he says, depart from me. I never knew you. And this is the problem Israel had in the past. And this is the problem the early church had. Because slowly they abandoned that great man that was their apostle. And let him die a lonesome death in all Asia. Forsook him. You know why? Because he was preaching a gospel against the flood that was coming on into the ark. Today we don't have to worry about building an ark. We already have this ark and the flood is inside. We need to pray that God would raise up individuals that can preach and understand how to develop a spiritual irrigation system to exit the flood out of the ark. Flood of fashions. Flood of ungodliness. Flood of paganism. Flood of sports. Flood of all that's going on in society. God is a jealous God. And here in Romans he said. Uh, Paul is writing to the church at Rome. Trying to salvage this people. He says in verse 828. And we did this scripture in the last service. He says for we know that all things. All things. All things good and bad. Work together for good. To them that love God. I love God. Why is this happening to me, Lord? Well, because you love God. You know, the first scripture, if I were to preach from notes tonight, the first scripture I have on my list is Hebrews 11. To show us how God's people, how they identify themselves as God's people. And how these all died in faith. Not having received the promise, but the sacrifices they made to bring them to that position. And Paul went on here and he says. For all things. Do we know that? Paul says we know. I'm asking you the question. Do you know that? Do you believe that that 
little problem you have medically is all uh, included in the all things? Do you understand that that problem you have economically is included in the all things? Do you understand that all things mean all things, good and bad, work together for a good purpose? To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. A lot of times we leave his purpose and we go about our own purpose. May God help us. May God help us. I'm glad for this service tonight. May God help us. And Paul went on, he says, for we whom he did foreknew. God who he, God knew in, in the past. He knew exactly what you were, how you were created, how you were born, what kind of attitude you have. And so he had a plan. Whom he foreknew, he predestinated. The man that was an always angry man, but call of God, God predestinated him to end up in the same, with the same results. The man who was an impatient man, he also got predestinated. The man who was a plain blatant sinner, he also got predestinated uh, for a purpose. Every one of you, no matter where you're coming from, no matter what country you're from, no matter what your traditions are, the purpose is the same. And the Lord went on here. He says, whom he foreknew, them he also predestinated to do what? To be confirmed to the image of his son, that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brethren. He might be the firstborn. We are predestinated to be confirmed, to take on the spirit and attitude of Jesus. You know something, saints, listen to me. The messages you receive in this church is not for your notebooks only. They become a manual for godly lifestyle. The Bible and the messages you receive, especially the messages you receive from the pulpit, is a guidance. It's a manual for Christian living when you leave the church. When you walk down the street and meet someone and they're glad to know that you're in their life, that's the kind of Christians we ought to be. Let's get away from this us and our mentality and our little clique and our little circle mentality. And let's start to reach out to mankind. Because if we're to govern the world in the coming theocracy, there'll be ungodly people. There'll be Hindus. There'll be Muslims. There'll be atheists. Uh, before the kingdom is established, all that element might be there, left alive on this earth that we'll have to reach out to. We can't hate them. We gotta love them like Jesus loved us when we were ungodly, he died for us. God so loved the world because it was a good world. No, it was a rebellious world. And so he sent the greatest sacrifice of all times to die for us. And so here in, back in Chronicles, uh, Solomon is saying, uh, receiving this instruction, everybody go with me slowly. If my people, verse 14, which are called by my name, shall first of all humble themselves and pray. Listen, a lot of times we say prayers because it's the routine thing to do. Well, you know, God, did you pray this morning? Yes, I did, I did. No, no, no. Have you really prayed? You see, to do anything, you need time. You can't rush the job. You can't rush serving God, which is more important than the job. <clears throat> you have to pray. 
saying prayers, any Catholic can do that. Any Muslim can do that. Any Hindu can do that. But praying prayers needs time to sit down and spend it alone and close your eyes and close out the world and concentrate on the needs of God and shed some tears, man. Pray for the people that you don't like and stop criticizing them. And you will develop a right attitude. Love your enemies, he says. <clears throat> Find out who you categorize as an enemy or who categorizes you as an enemy and love them. You can never love them if you don't start praying for them. Pray for them that despitefully use you and abuse you. And then the Lord says, humble yourself and pray. And that's not the end. Well, I pray. Praise the Lord, I pray. So I can go do all I can. No, no, no. When you learn to pray, then you learn to seek after God. Seek my face. You learn to set time aside to seek his face. And turn from their wicked ways. But brother saying, I'm not wicked. You'll be surprised to know. Anything that's contrary to what God's will is in God's sight is wicked it is sinful it is iniquity any form that we bring into the church to make us feel good that God has not ordained is a work of iniquity it is wicked works may God help us that we can follow well the pestilence came what have we done what has the church has done what have we done as a fellowship have we sought after God or we just depend someone comes here? Well, as I was praying, <clears throat> you know, this is what happened. <clears throat> Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. And the Lord says, then. He gives us a condition. Not any old dirty old sinner approach God and command him. We did that in, when we were out in religion. Lord. We command you to heal us. I've seen that. I experienced that firsthand from some of my teachers. Some of my teachers were great men. And some I had to learn from their errors. As a young man growing up. I saw a great man kneel on his Bible. Praying for a young man. I was about maybe 16, 17. Uh, 18 years old. And I saw that great man pray for this boy that had cancer. And he said to the Lord, he took his Bible. He says, Lord, if you don't heal him, I'll throw this Bible away. Don't ever challenge God. Don't ever challenge God. He says, I'll throw my Bible away. And I live to see God took the boy's life. And he didn't throw his Bible away. We never challenge God. We challenge our own lives. We pray that God help us. And our own lives to make adjustments. And the Lord says turn from their wicked ways. He says then will I hear from heaven. And will forgive their sin. God don't just forgive sin. Because we polyparrot a sinner's prayer. No. He says and I will heal their land. The negatives happen to us. With a purpose that's divine. God always has a purpose. There's a purpose for everything. He brings our way. And this is what is important. Can we sing that chorus as we close here today? Uh, before we can sing that chorus, I'm going to pray with you. 
and uh, dismiss the service and then we sing that chorus. We don't shut the system off until after. Let's pray. Father, I can only preach, but you have to touch the hearts of the people. And again, Lord, I bring this congregation before you. I bring every one of our assemblies around the world before you. I bring us as a fellowship before you, Father, and I pray that you'll open our eyes that we might see reality as you want us to see. Have we learned anything from this last pestilence, Lord? Have we become more arrogant and stubborn? Are we like the individuals in chapter 9 of Revelation that in spite of the death and destruction, they repented not? Help us to repent, please. Please, we pray, Father. Bless this weekend. Bless our service tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Sing it from our hearts today. the Lord. God bless you.